Eric, courtside seats, NBA finals. Wow. Life doesn't get better than this. Yeah, we're practically on the court. Oh, and I brought my phone so we can record all the action. Nice. Oh, here he comes. He's running down the court. Do you see that? Yep. He's gonna. Right, there he goes. He's going up for the dunk and. Oh, booyah! Ah, shoot. You know what? I, I didn't get that on video. Shoot. I'll just ask him to do it again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. I'll, I'll just ask him. Hey, uh, hey, Nikola. Yeah, Jokic. Just say again. I didn't, I didn't hear. Hey, can you do me a favor? I was recording the video, but it didn't come out good. Can you, uh, can you go up and do that slam dunk again? No, we cannot. We cannot. We need to, we need to stick what we're doing. Oh, yeah. And Jimmy. Can you move a little to the left? You were blocking the shot. No, 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 you weren't blocking his shot. You were blocking my shot. Uh, Eric? No, no, Denny, hold on, hold on. I, I got this, don't worry. No, Eric, this, this is important. Yeah, it's important. It's the championship game. Can you jump a little slower this time and stay in the air a little bit longer? Security's coming. You gotta get off the court. Oh, shoot. Eric, 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 security's, security's here. I, I think we should start the podcast. Okay, let's start the podcast. That was a close one. Welcome, everyone, to the Volumetric Roundtable, where we talk about volumetric technology and the people behind the tech, the industry experts. And today's guest is Simon Thompson. His company is called TrickShot, and they specialize in creating exciting new experiences for sports fans. And let me tell you, today I'm extra excited because in this episode, we're going to talk about two of my favorite things in the whole world, sports and technology. So, Simon, welcome. Great to be on. Thanks so much. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your company, TrickShot. I used to work at Verizon. I worked there for about six years and I was in their mixed reality team. So we were working on virtual reality, augmented reality, and doing a lot of stuff with clients. And for the last year, I just did loads of work on sport and just loved it. And it just felt like it was really ringing true with the audience, with fans. I just felt like I had to kind of start my own company and see how far I could push things on fan engagement by using 3D data, volumetric data, also markless motion capture. So I set up TrickShot about a year ago. We work with all different kind of data capture partners. But we take 3D data from a sports field and then we try and turn it into a fan experience through our platform. So whether that's like a, a virtual reality experience, an augmented reality experience, like a TikTok filter, putting it into Roblox, feel like that's the best place for the, the sport to be taken and, and go out to all of these different places. It sounds like it's a combination of a lot of different technologies, creatively mashing them together to create a new fan experience. So how have people been reacting? We've had a really incredible response. And I think that the turning point for us has been working with the NBA. We started working with Canon just before the playoffs. Now, Canon have got a volumetric rig set up in the Brooklyn Nets Stadium and also in the Cleveland Cavaliers Stadium. That rig is just insanely good. Those guys have really like been working so hard to boost the quality. I think like anyone that's worked in volumetric know how difficult it is to set up a, a studio where you've just got one or two people coming in and you're filming just those people, what Canon have done in a, a live environment with 10 guys on the field, plus the ref, plus the coaches that's coming in and out, all of that kind of stuff. There's no way you can say, hey guys, can you take that shot again? Like that's just not an option. Right. 
they've made all of this work. It's incredible. And I think what we came to them and said, look, there's ways that this data could be manipulated and turned into different types of video. So like there's creative things that we can do. And there's also ways that it can be taken and put into augmented reality or a virtual experience for fans. We started working together and then for the playoffs, we were creating immersive highlights after the match, just a completely different take on highlight, being able to put the camera into new locations right in the middle of the field, being able to change the environments and the location around it, being able to add effects. All of this would be impossible with the standard 2D capture. But it is possible with 3D. So we've been pushing it as far as we possibly can. We put that out to fans and the response from fans has been incredible. So on one of the posts that we put out, we got seven times more views and engagement than standard highlights. And all the comments are fire, dope. This is brilliant. How can I get the video game of this? Like they're already giving us all these ideas of the new stuff that we can do. So it is really early days for us, but it's just so exciting what's possible and what we can do with this incredible data. With your platform, maybe you can walk us through uh, how you take the amazing work that Canon has done and then you add what I would say that trick shot sauce to it to really enhance it. And how do you begin the creative side to say, hey, we can really do something here to isolate the player or isolate the experience and really show the fan what's going on? How's that work? So I think what we've got at trick shot is that we've got a really good blend of people that really understand the sport. And that's just so crucial. The person that says, oh, their toe is just on the line. If a fan sees that, they'll go crazy. It's not quite right. It's not quite calibrated. So having someone with that level of detail, super important. Then you need the creative level of like, how is this going to improve the storytelling? So for instance, we had a game where the Cavs lost in the first game. They were really kind of bullied off the ball in game one. So for game two, when they did win, and it was far more physical, we really amped up all the effects. We put all the smashes and all the different things into it. So we could tell the story in a new way. And we wanted it to be really visceral. So with camera shakes and all of that. So those people that are really creative and they know how to tell a story with the technology is also really important. And then finally, you need those people that can crunch like an incredible amount of data that comes through. So the you can imagine what the kind of file size of uh, that you would have of this data, crunch it into the right way, and then be able to export it out in a format that people can use. So you kind of have that blend of the three things in TrickShot, and then that all kind of comes together into, into the end output. Brilliant. The numbers that you, you cited are absolutely impressive. I think it it's a testament of what you guys are doing and the fact that the audience is really changing to be more open to experiencing the game in ways that isn't real, if you will. It's more enhanced. Is, is that what you're hearing as well? Yeah, I think you're right. I had a call with someone. They just said, like, when I saw it, I just knew that my kids would love this. And I think that that's something that's kind of ring, ring true when a kind of young audiences that are playing a lot of video games, seeing things that are really quite like bright and, and visceral, they like the stories of the game to be brought out in that same way. That's the kind of response that we've been getting. It kind of puts a new sheen and a new light on it and a new way for, for you to see it, especially, I think, the camera angles. We're so used to seeing a game of basketball kind of up high and looking down and that one shot that's just so familiar to us. When you're taken out of that and you're putting the camera in between people's legs and you're pausing the shot and then going in and around and following the ball, 
it just feels so kind of refreshing and new and it gives you a completely new perspective on it all. When I see a game captured in volumetric, it reminds me of the video game NBA 2K. It's like there's this invisible drone flying around. And you're right, it's very refreshing seeing the game from different impossible angles. So I think that this is a real like heightened watching experience. But what we've been talking to our partners, we're asking them, what kind of fan experience do you think people want? The first question that we ask is like, what's the verb that they will use to describe the fan experience they have? Because we all know that no fan is going to say, oh, daddy, can I please have a, a look at that immersive experience, please? Or like, do you know, because that, that's our language and our jargon that we use. Really, a fan will say, I want to watch the highlights. Or they'll say, can I play that? You know, they, that, that gamified mindset of I want to play that or I want to make something or create something. And that's, that's another kind of mindset. So I think that the opportunity and where this is going to go and it, where it's only possible with volumetric sports is really playing in those two use cases of, of play and create. So from a create point of view, I can see fans that are content creators themselves taking the 3D data and then being able to, at a click of a button, add their own effects or create their own analysis and they can share it out onto their YouTube or um, create a a kind of a a SmackDown video themselves when they go to a fan's fan's uh, um, stadium. Then they're using augmented reality. They can kind of make a SmackDown video themselves from it. So I think that create use case is really interesting. And then the other one, that is even more exciting to me is that idea of play. So like if uh, LeBron misses a dunk, he never misses a dunk, but if he, if he misses something or misses a three-pointer, then wouldn't it be amazing to be in a headset or in a game where you can push him out of the way and then you can try and take that shot that he missed yourself? That is never going to happen with 2D data, but that is possible with volumetric data. And I think that's a a use case that I cannot wait to see. And as a fan, I can't wait to to experience that kind of level of engagement. And I think that um, as as time goes on, it's it's, it's only going to be a matter of time until we've got things like that. Yeah, I, and I think the work that you, you've done with with Canon there has really helped the industry to lean into more of these experiences because the audiences are reacting so positively. A year from now, where do you think we will be, Simon, and, and where, where will your platform sort of take us? I hope that we are closer to a multi-channel kind of experience. For sports rights holders, they're already kind of doing that with social and they're, they're creating things and they're pushing out to the other 2D platforms. They're creating highlights in lots of different ways. I hope that we're in a place where a game happens and they are pushing 3D highlights out to multiple different locations and you've got an experience for those different locations. So that could be a Roblox experience with your live 3D volumetric capture straight into Roblox and a TikTok filter that you've created. Having those like, multi-channel experiences based on 3D. I hope also that the sports industry is monetizing it in the right way as well. And I think that that's going to be a crucial step for the sports industry as it goes on is, is how they learn their lessons from what happened when social came and how they can use this new kind of dawn of 3D data coming through and how they can use it to monetize it in the right way as it goes on. 
So we've been talking about how this can really enhance the fan experience, how it's exciting and, and engaging for them. What if we flip it and we talk about the business perspective? Let's say you're a sports league or a broadcaster. How does TrickShot and Volumetric benefit them? There's a couple of benefits with Volumetric that makes it quite interesting. And one thing as we've been thinking about is with normal video, when that moved from broadcast and you started to see video content come onto social, there was no way for the sports industry to really monetize it and also to control it. So really what happened is they just had a lot of piracy and they've, for the last 10 years have just been dealing with their sports rights not being monetized and put all over social. There's been a problem and they've been working on it for the last 10 years to try and kind of get over that and reclaim what should be theirs, which is properly monetizing their rights as it's being engaged by different audiences. If we're at a new dawn of 3D data coming through, I would say that 3D data is a lot harder to have that level of piracy because it's not like a video file that you can take a screenshot of. It's like this hardwired thing that would be built into an experience. It gives them an opportunity of like, if they've got this asset and they're going to kind of go out to different places that they can then start making these commercial agreements to say, well, look, if you want, if you want 3D data inbuilt into your platform, that's going to engage millions of people and they're all going to have this level of engagement and you can sell that to advertisers and everything else from it, then there's a, a price to be paid and that's completely justified. And I think that's the way it should be. If I was the head of the NBA, that's the way that I would be looking at it. Learn the lessons from what kind of went wrong or what might have not gone the right way when they first kind of opened up to social. We've got this new dawn. How can they take the learnings and do it in the right way as they go out? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the piracy point of view. It is a $20 billion sort of loss to the the worldwide sports industry. And with 3D data, we can one, eliminate that sort of rip and replaying. But two, like you said, this is providing value to the audience. And if you create the monetization at the start and you present it to be valuable, it decreases the incentive to um, pirate content. And we've seen that with music as well. So I think from that perspective and what you've done, how can, at least from an industry point of view and from the Volumetric Format Association's perspective, how can we continue to champion this idea and encourage the the notion of let's think about the business side as well as the technology and experience side at the same time? What's your thoughts on that? So I think that's a really good point. I think that the reference point that you gave there is completely spot on with music. I was looking this up earlier. In 2018, music rights were completely a free-for-all on social, for instance. And the music companies were making no money at all from their integration into social media. And then eventually they kind of rallied together and said, no, look, all of your videos have got all of our content on. You're not controlling in the right way. Why don't we do this properly? Why don't we embed it into your product? So when you're making a video, you can choose a song and you can create yourself. You can create a video using RIP. And then there's a commercial agreement that kind of works back. And the music industry are now saying that it's one of their biggest growing revenue streams. It's nine figures a year for, for Warner Music, I think they said. And it's completely changed from 2018 to where we are today. And I think that the, like you say, the, there's that really inherent value to whichever platforms this, this content goes out to, why not make it from day one? Say, right, this is the way we want to like completely embed and be a creative tool for people in your platform, but this is the commercial way that it needs to be. 
I think if it's done right and using the analogy you just said, and we start with the top, the major leagues that that exist because they're the pioneers in this space, it can easily trickle down to the farm leagues and the up and coming sports because the business model works. And that's exactly what happened with the music industry. You can start your own band or be your own artist and work your way up and then get a label to support and grow it. But the business model is there for the well-known established labels and, and bands to the, the indie musician that's just getting started. I think this could follow suit. So we've been talking about how your collaboration with Canon and the NBA, your videos have been circulating around on LinkedIn and Twitter where you enhance the game and it looks like this futuristic Tron effect. There's some fun explosion effects. Someone does a dunk, but there's also a lot of other sports where this could be applied to. And right now in the States, it's NBA playoffs, but it's also the hockey NHL playoffs. We're in the middle of the baseball season. Believe it or not, soccer or football is actually growing here in the States. MLS and the Women's League as well. And the World Cup is right around the corner. And of course, you got tennis with Wimbledon and the French Open. So I guess my question is, like, what other sports do you think this technology could be applied to? Uh I've got to say all of them. But yeah, no, I, th- I think we're kind of sport agnostic. I think when you, but then there's got to be some that lend themselves more than others. So I think that you, I think that you're going to probably feel more benefit from sports that have like human movement, right. for instance. So seeing like 10, 11 players all move in intricate ways, that's got more value than, for instance, if it was like a, a motor car. Chess. Then, yeah, yeah, chess or racing. Then there's like the logistics when it comes to that we're in the early days of volumetric capture. So bigger the field, it does have its challenges as well. I think they all have their own kind of quirks and ways that they could be done. And then like dependent, some sports are very aggressive. And this kind of comes back to the storytelling is that there's ways of of doing that. But then you think about gymnastics and very graceful movements that you see from things like that, then very different storytelling devices, very different ways that you can use music and some of the other aspects to bring all of that together. Huge opportunity for lots of different sports. Yeah, there was this word you kept saying, and it was storytelling. And I think that is so important because when people watch the sport, no matter what the sport, we're looking at the score, marveling at these superhuman feats of speed and agility and reflexes, but we're also experiencing the story behind it. Is this person going to come back from behind or or a rags to riches story? Or maybe there's two teams that are big rivals. So how do you see this technology enhancing the storytelling aspects of sport? I think that we're a tool and then the people that are close as possible to the sport, like we're lucky that we've got some absolute mega fans within the company that that can go into those like really nitty gritty details. But like, ideally, I think that the people that are in the kind of the content teams, all they're looking for is to tell those different stories and Trickshot is a tool for them to tell it in a different way. So there was a player that in game one was absolutely incredible and really beat up the Cavs in their first game. And in the second game, when the Cavs won, he kind of went a little bit quiet and he missed a few things. It's kind of our job as we're producing the content for the Cavs to play that up a little bit. And that's a fine balance. And that's something that needs to be kind of worked out, like what tone is done. But 
when you're in a virtual world, I think you've got a bit more license to play with it. So when one of the players was making a three-pointer, he did like a little jink of his hips and the player that was defending it kind of missed his slip, his defense, and then ended off going into nowhere. So what we did is we we created like a vortex, like a hole that so as he was jumping to, to defend it, he kind of went into the vortex and then disappeared. You, like, I think if you did that in, with normal 2D footage, it's probably a bit much. When you're in this virtual space where there's glowy lights and splashes and everything else, it just kind of made sense. And like he missed the defensive read on it. And he was out of the game and he disappeared. So you can just have that little bit more fun. I love just giving that level of creativity to the people that are making these decisions. And even in the comments, they're like, oh, I can't believe they made him disappear like that. Wasn't it cool when they got him to disappear? I wish he disappeared in game three. Oh, <laughs> you can see how it sparks more out of the fans. Right. I love browsing social media and seeing just the memes that come out of the games. And this just opens up a whole new world of volumetric memes, right? Eventually, it shouldn't just be us that have the tools for this. Like, we want as many people as possible to have the tools to be doing this. And then you can imagine like kids at home making their own versions and quickly creating their vortexes and their all the other kind of fun stuff that's possible. It's amazing what people will come up with. We were talking about team sports and you were talking about dynamic movement of formations, right? Because if you're on a soccer pitch or if you're watching American football or even NBA, right, players are moving and picking and screening. And this could be used as like a training tool or maybe for coaches or players. And I even saw that on one of your demos on your TrickShot website, even had somebody doing like a penalty kick, right? And had like augmented reality players. We talked about how it could be used to enhance the fan experience. But what about for the players or for training experience yeah so i think it's really interesting because one thing that a lot of players are really conscious of and especially in elite sport is about reducing the load Mm. so if you can imagine they being able to put on a vr headset see the shots from the angles when they actually happen so like go straight into the the view that they had being able to step back and see things they could have done slightly differently and see it from that space i think that's super interesting i can see how that could be beneficial for elite sport. And then the next layer upon that, the use case of kids recreating the shots. That's something that for me, when I was 10 years old in the playground, just before I tried to take a, a shot at goal, I might shout Alan Shearer and then I'd run around with my hands up. He had like a signature celebration and I would do that. Absolute thunderbolt from Alan Shearer. So that's, that's been happening for ages. People have been recreating the goals that they saw at the weekend. But augmented reality means that you can have a layer on top of you recreating the goal where you could have all of the the players lined up in front of you. And then you could be creating a piece of content that kind of makes it look almost like you scored the same goal that they scored. So it's a little bit about bragging. It's a little bit of like showing off your skills, but it's also, there's a bit of a technical thing as well of seeing like, could I have actually done it? And I think that's a, that's like an interesting insight of, I think we've all, we've all been in the stadium or been in a, in a club and someone kind of will go, oh, my nan could have scored that goal or whatever. <laughs> well, well, maybe you actually try and see if you can do it. Like, 
over to you, see if you can score it. So right. it's, it's, it's a really, really interesting use case. And I, I, I can't wait to explore that one further. Yeah, yeah. I've always fantasized about that, taking that three seconds left on the clock and I got to inbound the ball. I got to hit that three pointer to win the game. Can I recreate that? Like if you go to any playground, there's always people trying to do that. Hit that deep three or trying to hit that buzzer beater. If you, let's say, had an AR headset on when you were doing it, you would have the added level of you would see two seven foot guys running at you in real time while you're trying to take the shot. It's like that brings you closer to the game experience and that's what we all want we all want to feel like we were there yeah i mean there's a huge difference between shooting a shot when nobody's covering you you're all alone in the gymnasium versus two seven foot guys running at you at full speed (laughs) you're gonna feel a little bit of pressure Thank you, Simon, so much for joining us on today's Volumetric Roundtable podcast. It was really exciting chatting about wonderful work that you've been doing with TrickShot. And a lot of people would agree that there's a lot of potential with this technology. It could really enhance the fan experience. Really exciting to see what happens in the future. Thanks so much. A real pleasure to be on. Thank you for listening to the Volumetric Roundtable podcast. Lots of exciting things happening in the world of Volumetric. And we would love for you to join in. So visit volumetricformat.org forward slash join to learn more. There are many membership tiers, including a new community tier. It's 100% free to join. And as a community member, you can join in discussions, promote your work, and collaborate with other professionals. The Volumetric Roundtable is produced by Dengenuity Labs in partnership with the Volumetric Format Association. The VFA is here to help promote your company, build out an ecosystem, and develop interoperability standards, and grow a community of volumetric creators just like you. This is Eric Azaris. See you courtside at the next match. Mm-hmm.